Chapters thirteen and fourteen of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, Mabel. The morning following the party, Mr. Livingstone's family were assembled in the parlor, discussing the various events of the previous night. John Junior, Lena, and Anna declared themselves to have been highly pleased with everything, while Carrie, in the worst of humors, pronounced it a perfect bore, saying she never had so disagreeable a time in all her life, and ending her ill-natured remarks by a malicious thrust at Lena for having so long kept Mr. Belmont at her side. "'I suppose you fancy he would have looked better with you, but I think he showed his good taste by preferring Lena,' said John Junior then turning toward the large easy-chair where mabel sat pale weary and spiritless he asked how she had enjoyed herself with the exception of his accustomed good morning this was the first time he had that day addressed her and it was so unexpected that it brought a bright glow to her cheek making john junior think she was not so horridly ugly after all but she was very unfortunate in her answer which was that on account of her ill health she seldom enjoyed anything of the kind then pressing her hand upon her forehead she continued my head is aching dreadfully as a punishment for last night's dissipation three times before he had heard her speak of her aching head and now with an impatient gesture he was turning away when his mother said poor girl she really looks miserable i think a ride would do her good suppose you take her with you heard you say you were going to versailles if there was anything in which mabel excelled it was horsemanship she being a better rider if possible than lena and now at mrs livingstone's proposition she looked up eagerly at john junior who replied oh hang it all mother i can't always be bothered with a girl then as he saw how mabel's countenance fell he continued let lena ride with her she wants to i know certainly said lena whose heart warmed toward the orphan girl partly because she was an orphan and partly because she saw that she was neglected and unloved as yet mabel cared nothing for john junior nor even suspected his mother's object in detaining her as a guest so when lena was proposed as a substitute she seemed equally well pleased and the young man as he walked off to order the ponies mentally termed himself a bear for his rudeness for after all thought he it's mother who has designs upon me not mabel she isn't to blame this opinion once satisfactorily settled it was strange how soon john junior began to be sociable with mabel finding her much more agreeable than he had at first supposed and even acknowledged to lena that she was a good deal of a girl after all were it not for her everlasting headaches and the smell of medicine which he declared she always carried about with her hush said lena you shan't talk so for she is sick a great deal and she does not feign it either perhaps not returned john junior but she can at least keep her miserable feelings to herself nobody wants to know how many times she's been blistered and bled still john junior acknowledged that there were some things in mabel which he liked for no one could live long with her and not admire her gentleness and uncommon sweetness of disposition which manifested itself in numerous little acts of kindness to those around her never before in her life had she been so constantly associated with a young gentleman and as she was quite susceptible it is hardly more than natural that ere long thoughts of john junior mingled in both her sleeping and waking dreams she could not understand him but the more his changeful moods puzzled her the more she felt interested in him and her eyes would alternately sparkle at a kind word from him or fill with tears at the abruptness of his speeches while he seemed to take special delight in seeing how easily he could move her from one extreme to the other 
Silently, Mrs. Livingstone looked on, carefully noting each change and warily calculating its result. Not once since Mabel became an inmate of her family had she mentioned her to her son, for she deemed it best to wait and let matters take their course. But at last, anxious to know his real opinion, she determined to sound him. Accordingly, one day when they were alone, she spoke of Mabel, asking him if he did not think she improved upon acquaintance, at the same time enumerating her many excellent qualities, and saying that whoever married her would get a prize to say nothing of a fortune. Quickly comprehending the drift of her remarks, John Jr. replied, I dare say, and whoever wishes for both prize and fortune is welcome to them for all me. I thought you liked Mabel, said his mother, and John answered, so i do like her but for pity's sake is a man obliged to marry every girl he likes mabel does very well to tease and amuse one but when you come to the marrying part why that's another thing and what objection have you to her continued his mother growing very fidgety and red several returned john she has altogether too many aches and pains to suit me then she has no spirit whatever and last but not least i like somebody else so mother mine you may as well give up all hope of that hundred thousand down in alabama for i shall never marry mabel ross never mrs livingstone was now not only red and fidgety but very angry and in an elevated tone of voice she said i suppose it's nelly douglas you mean but if you knew all of her that i do i reckon here she paused insinuating that she could tell something dreadful if she would but John Jr. took no notice of her hints, and when he got a chance he replied, "'You are quite a Yankee at guessing, for if Nellie will have me I surely will have her.' "'Marry her, then,' retorted his mother. "'Marry her, with all her poverty, but for heaven's sake don't give so much encouragement to a poor defenceless girl.' Wishing Mabel in Guinea, and declaring that he'd neither speak to nor look at her again if common civilities were construed into encouragement, John Jr. strode out of the room determining, as the surest method of ending the trouble, to go forthwith to Nelly, and in a plain, straightforward way make her an offer of himself. With him, to will was to do, and in about an hour he was descending the long hill which leads into Frankfurt. Unfortunately, Nelly had gone for a few weeks to Madison, and again mounting Firelock, the young man galloped back, reaching home just as the family was sitting down to supper. Not feeling hungry and wishing to avoid as long as possible the sight of his mother and Mabel, whom he believed were leagued against him, he repaired to the parlor, whistling loudly and making much more noise than was at all necessary. "'If you please, Mr. Livingstone, won't you be a little more quiet, for my head aches so hard tonight?' said a languid voice from the depths of the huge easy-chair which stood before the glowing grate glancing toward what he at first supposed to be a bundle of shawls john jr saw mabel ross her forehead bandaged up and her lips white as ashes while the purple rings about her heavy eyes told of the pain she was enduring thunder was john's exclamation as he strode from the room slamming together the door with unusual force when mrs livingstone came in from supper with a cup of hot tea and a slice of toast for mabel she was surprised to find her sobbing like a child it did not take long for her to learn the cause and then as well as she could she soothed her telling her not to mind john's freaks it was his way and he always had a particular aversion to sick people never liking to hear them talk of their ailments this hint was sufficient for mabel who ever after strove hard to appear well and cheerful in his presence but in no way if he could help it would he notice her next to mrs livingstone lena was mabel's best friend and when she saw how much her cousin's rudeness and indifference pained her she determined to talk with him about it 
so the first time they were alone she broached the subject speaking very kindly of mabel and asking if he had any well-grounded reason for his uncivil treatment of her there was no person in the world who possessed so much influence over john jr as did lena and now hearing her patiently through he replied i know i'm impolite to mabel but hang me if i can help it she is so flat and silly and takes every little attention from me as a declaration of love still i don't blame her as much as i do mother who is putting her up to it and if she'd only go home and mind her own business i should like her well enough i don't understand you said lena and her cousin continued why when mabel first came here i do not think she knew what mother was fishing for so she was not so much at fault but she does now are you sure interrupted lena and john jr replied she's a confounded fool if she don't and what provokes me is to think she'll still keep staying here when modesty if nothing else should prompt her to leave you wouldn't catch nelly doing so why she'll hardly come here at all for fear folks will say she comes to see me and that's why i like her so well i think you are mistaken with regard to mabel said lena for i've no idea she's in love with you a bit more than i am i dare say she likes you well enough for there's nothing in you to dislike thank you interrupted john jr returning the compliment with a kiss a liberty he often took with her behave can't you said lena at the same time continuing no i don't suppose mabel is dying for you at all all of us girls like to receive attention from you gentlemen and she's not an exception besides that you ought to be polite to her because she's your mother's guest if for nothing else i don't ask you to love her said she but i do ask you to treat her well kind words cost nothing and they go far toward making others happy so they do answered john upon whom lena's words were having a good effect i've nothing under heaven against mabel ross except that mother wants me to marry her but if you'll warrant me that the young lady herself has no such intentions why i'll do my very best i'll warrant you returned lena who really had no idea that mabel cared aught in particular for her cousin and satisfied with the result of her interview she started to leave the room as she reached the door john jr stopped her saying you are sure she don't care for me perfectly sure was lena's answer the plague she don't thought john as the door closed upon lena and such is human nature that the young man began to think that if mabel didn't care for him he'd see if he couldn't make her for after all there was something pleasant in being liked even by mabel the next day as the young ladies were sitting together in the parlor john jr joined them and after wringing carrie's nose pulling lena's and anna's curls he suddenly upset mabel's work-box at the same time slyly whispering to his cousin ain't i coming round abrupt as this proceeding was it pleased mabel who with the utmost good-humour commenced picking up her things john jr assisting her and managing once to bump his head against hers after this affairs at maple grove glided on as smoothly as even mrs livingstone could wish john and mabel were apparently on the most amicable terms he deeming lena's approbation a sufficient reward for the many little attentions which he paid to mabel and she knowing nothing of all that had passed drinking in his every word and look learning to live upon his smile and conforming herself as far as possible to what she thought would best please him gradually as she thought it would do mrs livingstone unfolded to mabel her own wishes saying she should be perfectly happy could she only call her daughter and hinting that such a thing by wise management could easily be brought about with a gush of tears the orphan girl laid her head in mrs livingstone's lap mentally blessing her as her benefactress and thanking the giver of all good for the light and happiness which she saw dawning upon her pathway 
john is peculiar said mrs livingstone and if he fancied you liked him very much it might not please him as well as indifference on your part so with this lesson mabel for the first time in her life attempted to act as she did not feel feigning carelessness or indifference when every pulse of her heart was throbbing with joy at some little attention paid her by john jr who could be very agreeable when he chose and who observing her apparent indifference began to think that what lena had said was true and that mabel really cared nothing for him with this impression he exerted himself to be agreeable wondering how her many good qualities had so long escaped his observation there is more to her than i supposed said he one day to lena who was commending him for his improved manner yes a heap more than i supposed why i really like her and he told the truth for with his prejudice laid aside he as is often the case began to find virtues in her the existence of which he had never suspected frequently now he talked laughed and rode with her praising her horsemanship pointing out some points wherein it might be improved and never dreaming the while of the deep affection his conduct had awakened in the susceptible girl oh i am so happy said she one day to lena who was speaking of her improved health i never thought it possible for me to be so happy i dreaded to come here at first but now i shall never regret it never she was standing before the long mirror in the parlor adjusting the feathers to her tasteful velvet cap which with her neatly fitting riding-dress became her better than anything else the excitement of her words sent a deep glow to her cheek while her large black eyes sparkled with unusual brilliancy she was going out with john jr who just as she finished speaking appeared in the doorway and catching a glimpse of her face exclaimed in his blunt jocose way upon my word meb if you keep on you'll get to be quite decent looking in time twas the first compliment of the kind he had ever paid her and questionable as it was it tended to strengthen her fast forming belief that her affection for him was returned i can't expect him to do anything like other people he's so odd thought she and yet it was this very oddness which charmed her at length nelly who had returned from madison and felt rather lonely wrote to mabel asking her to come home this plan mrs livingstone opposed but mabel was decided and the week before christmas was fixed upon for her departure john jr anxious to see nelly proposed accompanying her but when the day came he was suffering from a severe cold which rendered his stay in the house absolutely necessary so his mother who had reasons of her own for doing so went in his stead carrie who never had any fancy for mabel and only endured her because she was rich was coolly polite merely offering her hand and then resumed the novel she was reading even before mabel had left anna and lena bade her a more affectionate adieu and then advancing toward john jr who in dressing-gown and slippers reclined upon the sofa she offered him her hand as if to atone for his former acts of rudeness the young man accompanied her to the door playfully claiming the privilege of taking leave just as his sister and cousin had done it's only me you know said he imprinting upon her forehead a kiss which sent the rich blood to her neck and face john jr would not have dared to take that liberty with nelly while mabel simple-hearted and wholly unused to the world saw it in it a world of meaning and for a long time after the carriage rolled away from maple grove the bright glow on her cheek told of happy thoughts within did my son say anything definite to you before you left asked mrs livingstone as they came within sight of the city no madam answered mabel and mrs livingstone continued that's strange he confessed to me that he ah um, he loved you and i supposed he intended telling you so 
but bashfulness prevented i dare say accustomed as she was to equivocation this downright falsehood cost mrs livingstone quite an effort but she fancied the case required it and after a few twinges her conscience felt easy particularly when she saw how much satisfaction her words gave to her companion to whom the improbability of the affair never occurred could she have known how lightly john jr treated the matter laughingly describing his leave-taking to his sisters and lena and saying meb wasn't the worst girl in the world after all she might not have been so easily duped but she did not know all this and thus was the delusion perfect fourteen nelly and mabel nelly douglas sat alone in her chamber which was filled with articles of elegance and luxury for her father though far from being wealthy still loved to surround his only daughter with everything which could increase her comfort so the best the fairest and the most costly was always for her his darling nelly as he called her when with bounding footsteps she flew to greet him on his return at night ministering to his wants in a thousand ways and shedding over his home such a halo of sunshine that oft-times he forgot that he was a lonely widower while in the features of his precious child he saw again the wife of his bosom who years before had passed from his side for ever but not on him were nelly's thoughts resting as she sat there alone that afternoon she was thinking of the past of john livingstone and the many marked attentions which needed not the expression of words to tell her she was beloved and freely did her heart respond that john jr was not perfect she knew but he was noble and generous and so easily influenced by those he loved that she knew it would be an easy task to soften down some of the rougher shades of his character three times during her absence had he called expressing so much disappointment that with woman's ready instinct she more than half divined his intentions and regretted that she was gone but mabel was coming to-day and he was to accompany her for so had lena written and nelly's cheeks glowed and her heart beat high as she thought of what might occur she knew well that in point of wealth she was not his equal for though mingling with the first in the city her father was poor but one of john jr's nature would never take that into consideration they had known each other from childhood and he had always evinced for her the same preference which he now manifested several weeks had elapsed since she had seen him and now rather impatiently she awaited his arrival if you please ma'am mrs livingstone and miss mabel are in the parlour said a servant suddenly appearing and interrupting her reverie mrs livingstone she repeated as she glanced at herself in a mirror and rearranged one side of her shining hair mrs livingstone and so he has not come i wonder what's the matter and with a less joyous face she descended to the back parlour where with rich furs wrapped closely about her as if half frozen sat mrs livingstone her quick eye taking an inventory of every article of furniture and her proud spirit whispering to herself poverty poverty with a cry of joy mabel flew to meet nelly who while welcoming her back congratulated her upon her improved health and looked saying the air of maple grove must have agreed with her then turning toward mrs livingstone who saw in her remark other meaning than the one she intended she asked her to remove her wrappings apologizing at the same time for the fire being so low father is absent most of the day said she and as i am much in my chamber we seldom keep a fire in the front parlor just as well answered mrs livingstone removing her heavy furs one fire is cheaper than two and in these times i suppose it is necessary for some people to economize nelly coloured not so much at the words as at the manner of her visitor after a moment mrs livingstone again spoke looking straight in nelly's face 
my son was very anxious to ride over with mabel but a bad cold prevented him so she rather unwillingly took me as a substitute here not only nelly but mabel also colored and the latter left the room when she was gone nelly remarked upon the visible improvement in her health yes said mrs livingstone settling herself a little more easily in her chair yes mabel isn't the same creature she was when she came to us but then it's no wonder for love you know will work miracles no answer from nelly who almost instinctively felt what was coming next upon my word miss douglas you've no curiosity whatever why don't you ask with whom mabel is in love who is it laughingly asked nelly nervously playing with the tassel of her blue silk apron after a moment mrs livingstone replied it may seem out of place for me to speak of it but i know you miss douglas for a girl of excellent sense and feel sure you will not betray me to either party certainly not answered nelly rather haughtily while her tormentor continued well then it is my son and i assure you both myself and husband are well pleased that it should be so from the moment i first saw mabel i felt for her a motherly affection for which i could not account and if i were now to select my future daughter-in-law i should prefer her to all others here ensued a pause which nelly felt no inclination to break and again mrs livingstone spoke it may be a weakness but i have always felt anxious that john should make a match every way worthy of him both as to wealth and station indeed i would hardly be willing for him to marry one whose fortune is less than mabel's but i need have no fears for john has his own views on that subject and though he may sometimes be attentive to girls far beneath him he is pretty sure in the end to do as i think best poor nelly how every word sank into her soul torturing her almost to madness she did not stop to consider the improbability of what she heard naturally impulsive and excitable she believed it all for if john jr really loved her as once she had fondly believed had there not been a thousand opportunities for him to tell her so at this moment mabel re-entered the parlour and nelly on the plea of seeing to the dinner left the room going she scarce knew whither until she found herself in a little arbour at the foot of the garden where many and many a time john jr had sat with her and where she would never sit again so she thought so she believed and throwing herself upon one of the seats she struggled hard to school herself to meet the worst to conquer the bitter resentment which she felt rising within her toward mabel who had supplanted her in the affections of the only one she had ever loved nelly had a noble generous nature and after a few moments of calmer reflection she rose up strengthened in her purpose of never suffering mabel to know how deeply she had wronged her she is an orphan a lonely orphan thought she and god forbid that through me one drop of bitterness should mingle in her cup of joy with a firm step she walked to the kitchen gave some additional orders concerning the dinner and then returned to the parlour half shuddering when mabel came near her and then with a strong effort pressing the little blue-veined hand laid so confidingly upon her own dinner being over mrs livingstone who had some other calls to make took her leave bidding a most affectionate adieu to mabel who clung to her as if she had indeed been her mother good-bye darling meb said she i shall come for you to visit us ere long turning to nelly she said do take care of her health which you know is now precious to more than one then in a whisper she added remember that what i have told you is sacred 
the next moment she was gone and mechanically nelly returned to the parlour together with mabel whose unusual buoyancy of spirits contrasted painfully with the silence and sadness which lay around her heart that night mr douglas had some business in the city and the two girls were left alone the lamps were unlighted for the full golden moonlight which streamed through the window-panes suited better the mood of nelly who leaning upon the arm of the sofa looked listlessly out upon the deep beauty of the night upon a little stool at her feet sat mabel her head resting on nelly's lap and her hand searching in vain for another which involuntarily moved farther and farther away as hers advanced at length she spoke nelly dear nelly there is something i want so much to tell you if you will hear it and not think me foolish with a strong effort the hand which had crept away under the sofa cushion came back from its hiding-place and rested upon mabel's brow while nelly's voice answered softly and slow what is it mabel i will hear you briefly then mabel told the story of her short life beginning at the time when a frowning nurse tore her away from her dead mother chiding her for her tears and threatening her with punishment if she did not desist since then said she i have been so lonely how lonely none but a friendless orphan can know no one has ever loved me or if for a time they seemed to they soon grew weary of me and left me ten times more wretched than before i never once dreamed that that mr livingstone could care aught for one so ugly as i know i am i thought him better suited for you nelly how cold your hand is but don't take it away for it cools my forehead the icy hand was not withdrawn and mabel continued yes i think him better suited to you and when his mother told me that he loved me and that he would undoubtedly one day make me his wife it was almost too much for me to believe but it makes me so happy oh so happy and he he too told you that he loved you said nelly very low holding her breath for the answer oh no he never told me in words twas his mother that told me he only acted and what did he do asked nelly smiling in spite of herself at the simplicity of mabel who without any intention of exaggerating proceeded to tell what john jr had said and done magnifying every attention until nelly blinded as she was by what his mother had said was convinced that at all events he was not true to herself to be sure he had never told her he loved her in words but in actions he had said it many a time and if he could do the same with mabel he must be false either to one or the other always frank and open-hearted herself nelly despised anything like deception in others and the high opinion she had once entertained for john jr was now greatly changed still reason as she would nelly could not forget so easily and the hour of midnight found her restless and wakeful at length rising up and leaning upon her elbow she looked down upon the face of mabel who lay sleeping sweetly at her side many and bitter were her thoughts as she looked upon her rival marking her plain features and sallow skin an expression of scorn flitted for an instant across her face and she is preferred to me said she well let it be so and god grant i may not hate her ere long better feelings came to her aid and with her arms wound round mabel's neck as if to ask forgiveness for her unkind thoughts she fell asleep End of chapters 13 and 14